Hello everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And this is Pathlight, and we're honored to have you tuning in today to our broadcast, regardless of if you're listening on radio through our podcast ministry or ever how else you might be getting a copy of this program. We're glad to have you tuned in today and hope you'll stay tuned for the next 25, 30 minutes or so of Bible study and fellowship. And I've got a musical selection coming your way also right now in just a few moments. I'd like to take just a moment to mention to you Pathway Christian Academy in Goldsboro. If you happen to live in the Goldsboro-Wayne County area or within commuting distance of Goldsboro or Wayne County, let me tell you a little bit about Pathway Christian Academy. We've been in business and in operation as a ministry for many, many years. And it's uh, it's been such a privilege to to be able to minister to literally hundreds, thousands of students over the years. If you're interested in an academically sound uh, program in a Christian environment for your kindergarten four through twelfth grade student, I urge you to check out the website pathwayacademy.org. Again, that's pathwayacademy.org. Take a look at that. And if you're interested in more information, give us a call or uh, whatever. We can set up an appointment for you to come by the campus and check it out. Now, there is a waiting list for several of the classes, but there are some vacancies available in some classes. So uh, I don't want to mislead you there, but nevertheless, it is certainly still worth you checking into pathwayacademy.org. I also want to give a word of thank you to everyone who supported the Go Mix Radio Sherathon, and uh, thank the Lord. We're well on our way to the end goal. And if you have prayed, if you've supported, uh, we just thank you so much. Many businesses, churches, and individuals have responded by the hundreds, and we thank you so much for that. Obviously, we've not quite reached our goal yet, but we are on the way, and we would not be where we are without your your support and your prayerful help. Every dollar that's come in has helped us get a little bit closer. And we thank the Lord, thank the Lord for your support and hope you hope you will continue to do so. In just a moment, we'll be going to the book of Lamentations, chapter number three. And I want to share a message entitled Astonishing Gratefulness, Astonishing Gratefulness. So I uh, hope you'll stay tuned for, to, uh, for today's message. And just before that, though, I've got a, a musical selection coming your way. This is Squire Parsons, and he's singing about the old rugged cross. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old Oh, 
just a few moments I'm going to be taking you to the book of uh, Lamentations and we'll be uh, we'll be taking a look there at some scripture in Lamentations chapter chapter number uh, number three I want to turn back the hands of time first though for a moment if I might and the year was 1866 it's a log cabin in the little town of Franklin Kentucky and a fellow by the name of Thomas Opadiah Chisholm was born now, Thomas never went to high school or college, but he did become an elementary school teacher and did quite a good job, I understand, at the age of 16. Five years later, he was named associate editor of the Franklin Favorite. That was a local newspaper. When, uh, when he was 27 years old, he attended a revival service. He gave his heart to Jesus Christ and served as a Methodist minister and later as an insurance agent to help supplement his income. He lived for a time in Winona Lake, Indiana, and also Vineyard, New Jersey. He was never in good health. He was often an invalid. But during his lifetime, he wrote over 1,200 poems. In 1923, he sent a batch of his poems to a fellow by the name of William Runyon. Runyon was a musician serving at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and one of these particular poems impressed Runyon so much that he decided to set it to music, and that's exactly what he did. He published it privately, little knowing that it would become one of the most beloved hymns of the 20th century. In 1954, George Beverly Shea introduced it to Great Britain during a Billy Graham crusade in London, and Great Britain also fell in love with the song. Late in his life, Thomas Obadiah Chisholm penned these words of personal testimony. He said, My income has not been large at any time due to the impaired health in the earlier years which has followed me until now. Although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God and that He has given me many wonderful displays of His providing care. 
for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. I focus in on those words, astonishing gratefulness, as a title to today's message because such should be the testimony of every child of God. The hymn he wrote is based on our text in Lamentations, and most of us know the words by heart. Thomas Chisholm called it simply, Great is Thy Faithfulness. There's something of a paradox in the way we use that particular hymn. We often tend to sing it at moments when we have experienced God's blessings. We often sing it, I know at our church, at Thanksgiving time. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord Almighty. As we look back and see how God's faithfulness has blessed our lives and we look at the abundance of the harvest and we look back at all the things we should be grateful for, astonishingly grateful, we sing that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. The hymn is based on a text written during Israel's lowest moment, though. If you know what the word lament means, you know what Lamentations is all about, written by Jeremiah as he sat amid the ashes of a destroyed Jerusalem. Jeremiah's mood is bleak, his words are dark and angry, his tone is one of near total desperation and despair, and for most of the book, there's not one word of hope, not one ray of light do we find. When we come to our text, though, the light begins to break through. What a challenge this is to all of us. It's one thing to sing, great is thy faithfulness, but it's quite another time to sing it if you're not being blessed. It's easy to sing it during a time of blessing. It's something else to sing it when your husband announces he's leaving you for, well, for another woman. It's more difficult to sing it when your son or daughter becomes hooked on drugs. It's harder to sing it when your world is falling apart. We gladly sing it when the operation is a success, but do we also sing it when we bury a loved one because the cancer treatments did not work? This text is not an answer to the mysteries of life, nor is it about the politics or circumstances we face every day in this old world. It's not a detailed statement about the intricate theology that we read in the Bible. It's rather a word about our Lord. Our text declares he is our hope amid hopelessness. He's our light when all around us is dark. He's the way when we can find no way. He's our reason for living when we'd honestly rather give up. Our text in Lamentations contains four phrases, and each one of them raises somewhat of an important question that we might need to consider as we take a look at the Word of God. And again, our text today is coming from the book of Lamentations in chapter number 3. The first question is, I see in verse number 22 of chapter 3, is why doesn't God destroy me? Why doesn't God destroy me? You know, if you were saved as I was later in life, I didn't get saved until I was 26 years old. And, and when I got saved, one of my first ponderings, if you will, was why has God in his mercy kept me alive? Why? If I had died at any point of time, I would have ended up in hell, but yet God preserved my life by his universal grace until I was 26 years old and finally received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Why? He had good reason. Why didn't God destroy me? 
What a question. The fact is we all walk closer to the edge than we think. There's a thin line between disaster and prosperity, joy and sorrow, laughter and tears, and life in death. We see pictures on the news come forward where a tornado has come through a neighborhood. Nobody was expecting that, but it happened. And all of a sudden, your home and your possessions and sometimes even lives of loved ones are lost. It doesn't take much. Just let a car pull out in front of you. Let a tiny switch malfunction when you're on an airplane and the whole plane could crash. Let the train jump the tracks. Let the brakes give way. Let a tiny virus enter your system. Let the lightning flash and in a moment we're gone and everything has changed. So much teaches us that we're not in control of our own destiny. Who can understand the mysteries of the universe? Why are you alive today and someone else is not? So many of the friends that I went to high school with or elementary school with or even college with, so many of them are no longer here. They're no longer here. Their lives were required of them, some of them many, many, many years ago. Why am I still here? I'm no better than they. In some cases, I'm far worse than they. I've been to so many funerals and yet no one's been to mine yet. Hear the answer of Jeremiah. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Again, that's Lamentations chapter 2, verse number 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. So why does God not destroy us? He could and he should. He could because he's God. He should because we're sinners. But why doesn't he? Jeremiah says, well, it's because well, it's because of his mercies. It's because of his mercies we're not consumed. God has had mercy toward us because his love, in, in his love, he promised to have mercy and nothing can cause him to break that promise. That leads me to make the following point. As bad as things are, and I'm speaking to anyone this morning that's going through a tough time, as bad as things are, if it weren't for God, things would be much worse. That seems obvious, and perhaps it is, but we need to hear it again. If it weren't for God, no matter how bad things are in your life right now, they would be much worse without the Lord. We read in the coming years about the tribulation period when God calls his church home and all hell breaks loose on this earth. And the Bible says, if those days were not shortened, no flesh would be left alive. So take that, you know, the devil wants to be in charge, but God basically leaves him in charge for seven years. And God says, in a seven-year period of time, everybody would be dead if I didn't come back and intervene. So no matter how bad things are in your life right now, if God were not protecting you in some fashion or form. If God was not caring for you in some fashion or form, things would be, I assure you, things would be much, much worse. How t little we often think about it, how we tend to forget. Many of us go through life without a, a thought and we go through life with a sense of entitlement. I deserve this. I've earned this. I'm entitled to this. Even when we pray, sometimes we think, well, I'll be good, so God ought to do this for me. How little we understand about God's grace. What is our hope in the face of death? Our hope lies in the fact that God's grace reaches us while we are sinners, saves us as sinners, keeps us even when we fail. And, and when we die, that same grace takes us all the way to heaven. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel which will one day present us faultless before the Father in heaven. 
Do you want mercy or justice? If justice, you can have it, but you will regret it. Anybody that gets justice from God is going to regret it. But if it's mercy you want, then you can also have that. But just remember, when you receive it, you don't deserve it. It's grace that saves. The second question I'd like to ask here is, how do I know that God will keep on loving me? Well, it's good to know that God loves me, but what if he decides to stop loving me? It's good to know that God loves me. He saved my soul. He's going to take me to heaven. But what if he changes his mind about that? Lamentations 3.22 answers that. The Bible says his compassions fail not. In the song we would write, he would write, his compassions, thy compassions, they fail not. The best part of this little phrase is the word compassions. Note the plural. God's compassion is plural. His compassions fail not. It rolls down in waves from heaven. James 4, 6 says he giveth more grace. Give us grace, then he gives some more. John 1, 16 speaks of grace upon grace or grace for grace. You take grace and God says, I'm going to add some more grace to it. And then I'm going to add a little more grace to it over and over again. Grace upon grace. But many of us have lost a sense of gratitude for our blessings. That's especially true regarding the simple blessings we receive every day. For most of us and for most of life, nothing spectacular happens. Life is pretty mundane and humdrum. There may be no headlines in our life at all. Days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months. Meanwhile, the sun will rise tomorrow, but you're not going to see it. A friend will say hello, but it's not going to matter. Your children are going to giggle, but you won't smile. The roses are going to bloom. The stars are going to shine. The dogwood's going to begin to blossom. But, but it's ordinary. So you're not going to pay a lot of attention to it. You've seen it so many times before. You've heard it before. You've done it before. And because you're daydreaming, you're going to miss it altogether. I heard someone say once, if the stars only came out once in a lifetime, we'd all stay up all night just to look at them. But since they come out every night... We usually pay them no attention at all. How blessed we are. And how easy it is to forget what God has done for us. How blessed we already are. If only we would open our eyes to see what God has done for his compassions. They fail not, as Chisholm would write. The third question I would ask is, when will God give me what I need? When? There's some things in life that I feel I need. When's God going to give them to me? Well, of course, the question is, do you really need them? And God is the one that knows that. But here's the, here's the, here's the point. Lamentations 3.23, they are new every morning. God's compassions fail not, and they are new every morning. Here's a word of hope for fearless saints. God's mercies are new every morning. I used to think about that verse. Why in the morning? It looks like God's mercy would flow more freely at night. I mean, I've, I've gone about my daily activities. I've become polluted with the world. I've, I've failed. I've, I've stumbled along the way. At night, all I've been doing is sleeping. But God says, no, you need my mercy even when you're asleep. My mercy is new every morning. The experience of the children of Israel in the Sinai wilderness illustrates this principle. The, these children of Israel hungered. So the Lord sent them manna. In the morning, the Jews found dew on the ground, and when the dew disappeared, they found wafers that tasted like crackers and honey, and they called it manna. God's instructions, though, were very specific regarding the manna. He says, go out and get as much as you need for yourself and for your family, but don't get any more than you need. Why? 
because if you get any more than you need, it will rot, and the maggots will infest your manna. Anyone who tried to hoard extra manna ended up with a worm-infested, rotten, and smelly mess. Consider what that means. We never have to live on yesterday's blessings. God's blessings are renewed every morning. His mercies are new every morning. God's blessings are never early, but they're never late either. Today's mercies are for today's burdens. Tomorrow's mercies, they'll be for tomorrow's problems. You you don't have the strength to deal with tomorrow's problems yet. I'll tell you that. You don't have the mercies to deal with tomorrow's problems yet. You'll have those mercies tomorrow. In July 1945, shortly after leading Great Britain to victory in World War II, Winston Churchill suffered a shocking setback when his party was defeated at the polls, bringing his time as Prime Minister of England to an end. Hoping to console him, his wife, her name was Clementine, suggested something we've always said many times. Clementine suggested his defeat was really a blessing in disguise. Churchill, in his normal wit, replied, he said, If so, it is very well disguised. Perhaps you can relate to that. Someone says, maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Maybe like Churchill, you say, well, it could be, but it's very well disguised because I don't see it right now. Many of us, no doubt, feel the same way about our own problems. We see the trouble, but where's the blessing? We all wonder what will happen tomorrow. Will our health hold up? Or will we have a heart attack or a sudden stroke? Will we end up in a nursing home or waste away in a hospital? What's going to happen? What about our children? Will they serve the Lord? Will they rebel? What if something happens to them? Singles wonder if they will ever find true happiness in marriage. But yet married couples look at all the divorces and separations and wonder if they'll make it themselves. We all have concerns about our career choices and we wonder where we'll be in 10 years. Am I still going to be doing well in 10 years? What's my health going to be like in 10 years? Is the company I'm working for still going to be a business in 10 years? I'm planning on retiring with these folks. I've got a retirement plan with these folks. Let us learn the lesson of Lamentations 3.23. God's mercies come day by day. They come when we need them, not earlier, not later. They're new every morning. God gives us what we need today. If we needed more, he'd give us more. If we needed something else, he'll give us that as well. Nothing we truly need will ever be withheld from us. Search your problems, and within you, you will discover the well-disguised mercies of God. If you needed more, God would give it. What is my hope for the future? Our final question, Lamentations 3.23. What hope do I have in this uncertain world? Just like you, I look around at the headlines and look at what's happening and I say, oh my goodness, what hope is there? The world's going nuts. Everyone's going nuts. No one understands. Half the politicians do not understand what our republic is supposed to be. They don't understand our constitution, or if they do, they totally despise it. What is going on in this world? What's going on with the moralities? What's happened to our school systems? What happened to our business? What's happened to the morals of our society? What in the world is going on? What hope is there for the future? We can't even trust the medical people anymore. Answer, Lamentations 3.23. Great is thy faithfulness. 
You know, it's wonderful if you've got a faithful politician or a faithful statesman or statesperson. It's wonderful if you've got a faithful doctor or a faithful banker. It's nice to have a faithful neighbor, a faithful husband or wife, but God is faithful. How much greater it is to know that we've got a faithful God. Lamentations 3.23, great is thy faithfulness, it says in Lamentations 3.23, and that is the text that led Thomas Opadiah Chisholm to write the poem that become a beloved hymn sung on every continent of the world. Here's a simple way to bring its truth into focus. I'd like to share a quote, a word from C.S. Lewis. Here's what C.S. Lewis said, I'm quoting. He who has God and many other things has no more than he who has God alone. He who has God and many other things has no more than he who has God alone. What a, what a profound statement that is. Most of us have many other things. We have a little money, have some security, some friends and family. But do you also have God in your life? If you do, then the many other things don't really matter one way or the other. I'm not saying you shouldn't be thankful for them. I'm simply saying in the eternal scheme of things, they make very little difference. The important thing is having God. If you have God, if you know Jesus Christ, you have enough because God is faithful. Perhaps it's time for you and I to overflow, as Chisholm did, with astonishing gratefulness astonishingly grateful. Why? Because our scripture today said, it's of the Lord's mercies we're not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. May we join with Thomas Opadiah Chisholm today in speaking of and thinking of the astonishing gratefulness we have to our Lord and God. Astonishing gratefulness. That's been our study for today from the book of Lamentations from, uh, from Jeremiah the prophet who had all kinds of reasons to be down and be discouraged and be despondent, but yet he knew how grateful God was, how grateful God was. I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the programs are a blessing to you. We'd enjoy hearing from you. You can check this on the Pathlight podcast if you'd like to listen to it again. It's also on the Facebook site of Go Mix Christian Radio and Pathway Christian Academy and Christian Bible College and there are also some others. Till next time, T.D. Worthington say, may God richly bless you is my prayer. Mm-hmm.